Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're here with your hosts Liam and Bill. We're a little later this week, recording on a Friday night, but we made it here. Yeah, I only just made the trek over. I, in the heavy slogging rain, was a bit worried for the game tonight, then I realised it's in Adelaide, so never mind. <laughs> never mind about that. So we had some good footy played last weekend. We had the algorithm and me go 6 out of 9, and you unfortunately went 5 out of 9, dropping Ooh. that tip on that Friday night footy game. Disappointing. I'm really struggling with the tips at this stage. <laughs> I think I'm just going to have to start copying the model. So that game that separated us was the Friday night blockbuster, the Hawks v. the Swans, and uh, it was probably the game of the year so far for me. It was really exciting footy. I'd probably have to disagree there with the, the later game with Port Crows, the showdown. True. Pretty exciting, but uh, yeah, the Ronke with uh, 11 disposals, 7 goals, 10 tackles, 2 marks, and 120 supercoach doing it all. Yeah, first player in AFL history to have 7 goals and 10 tackles in one game. Like, not just talk about a Swan or a you know third game player, this is ever to happen. That's insanity. Yeah, absolute legend, and uh, a lot of happy super coaches who brought him into the team. Unfortunately, neither of us among those coaches, Liam. Yeah, neither of us got on him, which is a bit unfortunate. Going to skyrocket off, what did you say, 120 super coach points or something? So, yeah, it went crazy, but the thing that came out of the Swans was apparently after the game, uh, Horse got them all together and said, everyone, get around Ronk. Ten tackles, that's what we want from him. He didn't mention the goals. It was all about the pressure he put on, and that's why he's in the team over there. Yeah, no doubt he's going to be keeping his spot for games to come, and it'll be interesting to see how he forms a tandem up there with Buddy Franklin back in the side. True, and uh, everyone loves him because he's got great nicknames already. The Ronky Kong I hear a lot. I'm liking that. <laughs> Definitely a great one. <laughs> also in that game, we saw Jack Gunston sort of go toe-to-toe with him, kicking five goals himself. Yeah, Gunston's had a pretty good year so far and continued that on Friday night. And uh, one thing I noticed out of this game was Clarko having a bit of a whinge, um, as he sometimes does. He uh, sort of made the allegation that the Swans defenders were able to get away with quite a bit, Liam. How'd you see that? Well, I saw definitely there was a period where there was a hold from Ruffy and then a hold on Ruffy and then some holds all over the ground. Everyone's doing it, so I think it's a bit bit unfair for him to be calling out the umpires on that and um, we also saw Sicily have a bit of a winch to the umps walking off the ground as well so a bit unhappy down there at Hawthorne. Second game of the round we saw GWS take on the Eagles in Sydney and uh, the Eagles got up limbs probably we've said this a few weeks in a row now but about time we took him seriously as a flag threat I think. Yeah yeah definitely I think we yeah we both said uh, we'll take him seriously but not this week the Giants are up and about Giants are just decimated at the moment with injuries it's Absolutely crazy. Like, you can list pretty much an all-Australian team with, like, the players that they have out. Um, Really just can't get a player on the on the field at the moment. Yeah, Josh Kelly been sitting on my supercoach bench for quite a few weeks now, and uh, apparently he's not even going to be back this week. I thought he might be, but uh, one more week for Josh Kelly. So their injury list at the moment is Green, Scully, Kelly, Williams, Delidio, and Davis, who's going to miss this week as well. That is an insane list to have down there. Yeah, Giants uh, look to be struggling a little bit and might struggle to make that top four, I think, now that there are a few games behind the eight ball and obviously players still on the sidelines. it be interesting to track that. Yeah, um, one thing that I noticed was that a lot of people this week were saying, is the top eight locked? I think these teams will be hard to dislodge and GWS isn't in there at the moment. So there are people out there that might even think they'll struggle to win enough games to make the eight. Do you think that's a bit of a harsh call? I'm not sure. I was very surprised. I remember saying one of the first podcasts went through and gave them wins and losses for the year and I, I came through with the result of unders, I think, on about 14 wins. So if they get the about the 13 mark, they should probably play finals. But uh, they're probably a bit behind where they'd want to be at this stage, and it'll be a close finish to the season for them. One thing that I've noticed from the GWS team so far is I'll read you their total scores for the whole game. Over the last few weeks, we've had them score 62, 31, 77, 73, 82, and 87. They just can't kick a winning score right now. 
Yeah, just I think a lack of continuity. So a few key forwards, obviously Jeremy Cameron, Jonathan Patton, um, in and out of the side. And then obviously the midfielders as well. So just a bit struggling, I think, with the continuity. And it's obviously translates into able to put scores on the board. The uh, West Coast team getting up in this one on the back of another really strong performance from both Darling and Kennedy kicking a few roles. Do you think that their form is sort of reflective of when West Coast are playing well? Yeah, Jack Darling's been one of the surprise packs of the season so far. Obviously a good footy player, but uh, he's currently sitting fifth in the AFL Coaches Association leaderboard, which is probably not where we expected to see him. Yeah, definitely not. Really surprised he's always had potential, but really living up to it this year. And with that one-two punch with Kennedy, they kicked six goals last week, seven goals the week before, six before that. So when you're getting that sort of score out of your two main forwards, it's really going to set up your team for a high-scoring match. Great news for the Eagles. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, the, the Dons went down to the Blues. Not a great result there. Yeah, well, we said it last week that Carlton probably smelling a win here and think that they could maybe steal it. And yeah, they got up and really just put a disappointing Essendon team to the sword. No jo- Joey Danaher up there. Stringer doing nothing. And they've had a lot of people omitted out of that team this week. Yeah, I'm not happy with Essendon. Uh, I mentioned, I think it was last week on the podcast, I thought that uh, even though the Lions have been playing... Pretty good football. I thought the Carlton might bob up and just win one before us, just uh, continue our bad luck there. And yeah, the Blues snagged the win against a, a Don side that's really in disarray at the moment. And the fans are letting them know about it too. Have you seen the footage of the man burning his scarf outside the ground? <laughs> I haven't seen it, but uh, I've seen that over the years. Yeah, so just setting it on fire, putting it down. And uh, I've also seen a few very funny uh, meme-style photos come out during the week. My favorite was the uh, Essendon scarf wrapped around the toilet roll holder. It's just in the toilet there. <laughs> Yeah, um, the real struggles down at uh, Bomberland at the moment. I think um, they've obviously brought in those three recruits in the offseason, Stringer, Saad, and Smith. Uh, Smith's playing some pretty good football. The other two, maybe not so much at the moment, but uh, it's a bit surprised they didn't recruit some inside midfielders, and I think it's showing at this stage of the season. Yeah, and we've seen, um, we'll get to it a little later, who they've dropped this week, but that middle really isn't working for them. They should have more of an impact around that um, around the ball. And when they're playing well, they've got those key players winning the contested possession, your Zaharakis and your Heppels. But when they're a little bit off, their whole team just can't get their hands on the footy, it seems. Next game, um, to be honest, I think it's kind of a bit of a boring one. The Suns versus the Ds turned out to be a bit of a blowout in the end. Ds ran away within the last quarter. Um, one of the main things probably to come out of it is a David Swallow knee injury or calf injury. I've seen both report. I'm not really sure. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. We were talking all year about um, how well he's been playing out of that middle. I've seen Jared Lyons sort of having a step back at the moment with his performance. So to lose a player like that, that's going to really hurt them. But one person we did see come back into the team was Aaron Hall, who did some work both out of the middle, but mainly off the half back line and seemed to be a really good position for him to play. And uh, he really, really was good on the weekend. Next game up on Saturday afternoon was the showdown, Port Adelaide versus the Adelaide Crows, and uh, I thought this might be the game of the season so far, just an absolute cracker, and Motlop winning at the end for the power. Yeah, probably not the name we would have picked if we're asking for a game winner there, but Motlop popping up, I think it was, what, 40 seconds to go and signing the game winner? Yeah, um, building off the back of great work by Robbie Gray in the third quarter, he slotted five goals, managed six for the game, and really dragged the power back into it when they looked like Adelaide were going to blow it out in the second quarter. Yeah, I couldn't think of anyone else in the league who's kicked five goals in a quarter so far in their careers probably you know you got your Franklins and I can't really think of too many people it's a really great feat for him um one player that you've got in your super coach side and is performing well for you yeah doing well so I, I dropped Billings for him quite a few weeks ago now and uh yeah it turned out to be a great move I think Billings has continued to put out those 50 scores and, and Robbie Gray's put up some big totals 
I've heard a lot of talk this week about Robbie Gay's output now that it seems like Rocky moved into the middle and SPP back into the middle in that game and Robbie Gray playing up forward. Apparently, he scored 42 supercoach points in three quarters and then went ballistic for, what, an 80 or a 90 quarter there where he kicked five goals. Um, you think that his form is going to maintain up forward with him kicking these goals or...? I'm hoping so. I, I see Robbie Gray as a sort of player who, even if he's playing up forward, he's still going to get his sort of 20 touches and, and hopefully bob up for a few goals. So I'm optimistic he can keep that score on the board, although it'll be one to watch in terms of a point of difference moving into that second half of the year. So we mentioned just a second ago Tom Rockcliffe, and he was back for his first game after racking up 30 touches a couple of weeks ago in the Sandful, and he just went straight back to his business, 31 touches, 9 tackles. Is he going to be one that's back like this for the rest of the year? Yeah, I imagine so. I was pretty surprised to see his low output in the start of the year, and he's probably carrying some sort of injury. Now he seems like he's probably back to full fitness, and I'm expecting him to put up you know, his usual 25, 30, even 35 touches a game, and wouldn't be surprised to see him traded into a few supercoach benches over the next couple of weeks. On the other side of the coin, we've got the Crows, who they've really hit a big injury front. They've already had Sloan, obviously, down, and heard this week that out of that game, we've had both Crouch, Walker, and McGovern going to miss Decent stints, probably. Um, it's just really falling apart for the Crows. Yeah, definitely. Um, the injury toll continues to grow over there. Um, probably worth noting that uh, they've got their current fitness staff, the ex-Brisbane fitness staff, so Brett Burton and Matthew Haas. And uh, we had quite a few soft tissue injuries when they were with us in the Lions past couple of years ago, so perhaps something to it. Move on to the next game now, which you were attending, I believe, the Western Bulldogs getting up in a pretty close game over the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, managed to get down to this one, and... Uh, had a good seat on the first tier to watch this one. And uh, one thing I didn't notice was Jack McRae getting 47 touches. To be honest, I, I barely noticed him at all. But that's probably because he's always at the bottom of the packs. He had eight tackles to go along with it as well. I think it's also one of those things where he's just like an average looking dude. He needs some like dreadlocks or some tats or something to get those Brownlow votes. Because 47 touches, like absolute insanity. Eight tackles, as you said, 19 contested possessions, 10 clearances. List goes on. Um, really impressed a lot of people, and people are starting to notice him, as we've been mentioning. But one of them's not Campbell Brown, who I listened to his, you know, AFL site video with uh, the duck where they tipped the winners for the week. And Campbell Brown, I'm pretty sure I'm quoting him here, saying, Bonsampelli single-handedly keeping the dog season alive. Yeah, um, not really. I think what he's done here is he's seen that Bont kicked four goals and then just noticed that subtracting four goals means they would have lost but uh, a lot of those goals was just sort of he was the last man in the in the chain of play over the top and didn't really think Bont had the best game on the weekend um, never a bad game when you kick four goals but yeah I didn't really think he was keeping their season alive there Going back to somebody else who kicked four goals uh, Zorko with four goals 24 touches seven tackles he backed up a performance from last week yeah, good to see him continually hitting the scoreboard. Um, obviously, when he's at his best, he's getting those touches in the middle and managing to kick those goals. So good to see a bit of a return to form for Zorko, and hopefully he can continue it. Um, a few other Brisbane players played well as well. I thought Charlie Cameron was really good. Um, 18 touches, 8 marks, 8 tackles, and 3 goals. That's sort of what you'd want from your small forward, a lot of pressure in that forward half. And I also like the game of Oscar McInerney. Um, 13 touches, 4 marks, 12 hitouts, 4 tackles, and 2 goals, as well as a nice rundown tackle. Just looks a really good footy player, I think. Clean clean hands below the knees and looks a good prospect up forward and in the ruck going forward for the Lions. Move on to the next game now, which was Fremantle putting down my Saints over at Optus Stadium. Yeah, I'd, at the same time as the Lions game, I think, so I didn't really get to catch this one, although I did notice checking the scores. Saints only kicked one goal in the first half before sort of maybe coming to their own in the second half and making it competitive. 
Yes, yeah, really stormed home there and sort of had a chance towards the end to maybe steal it if things went differently. We had Membry kick one goal five, so if he's slotting a few, maybe it's coming back. And towards the end of the game, there was a against the tied 50-meter penalty that um, gave Frio a goal, and then it sort of broke our backs from there and blew, blew out to five-goal win. Bit of a worrying trend, I think, to notice the poor kicking for goal continuing for the Saints League. Yeah, Ben Dixon still in a job making good money, <laughs> just teaching boys how to kick behinds, I guess. Uh, one of those things I think we'll laugh about until he's uh, moved along. But, um, yep, just can't seem to do it. Definitely still a confidence thing, I think. Membry is the prime example. Last year he was, uh, I think he was the best statistical kick for goal from a set shot in the league, and now he just can't kick one if his life depended on it. It's just something that's happened around the club. Don't know what it is, but really troubling, especially when we're missing Bruce and all his key members long from that forward line to have the people who are there just not able to kick them. A few concerns for the Saints. Uh, Jack Billings, we've already mentioned in, in quite a few Supercoach sides, is probably one of them, but a few positives too out of this game. Ed Phillips with a really good debut. Yeah, 24 touches for Ed Phillips on debut, which is the most touches for a debutant for the club in 25 years. So that's a pretty good feather to put in his cap. And um, this week he'll line up on his brother uh, in that Collingwood game, both listed on the wing, which is a really great story that he's coming to the team and able to play against his brother next week. The Roos played the Tigers, and I was pretty uh, interested to see how this one went. I thought, you know, if the Roos can put in a good performance, might really signal that they're here to play, and they did. They pushed the Tigers all the way, didn't really have it blow out. I think it was a 10-point margin, and we've seen the, the Tigers blow out some scorelines pretty recently, so I thought the Roos played pretty well. Yeah, we talked about the defensive middle, and it was added again. Dustin Martin really didn't have an influence on that game. Tagged out, we all know that he's sort of carrying an injury here, if he is, I don't know why Richmond's still playing him, to be honest. Just give him a rest. I, I don't really see the point at this stage, but really that defensive middle for, for North Melbourne really came through and kept this game tight and close, and they had a chance to win it. Ben Cunnington broke the contested disposals record. I think it was 32. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, most contested possessions ever, and stat came out during the week that really caught my eye. When you're talking about North Melbourne players who have got 20 or more contested possessions in a match, there's only been five of them. Um, do you want to have a guess at them? In history? In history. Uh, should I, uh, They're all very recent players who have played over the last couple of years. couple of years, or right, probably Swallow, I think, would be up there. Swallow, yes. Uh, maybe Bern Harvey. I don't know whether he'd get those contested touches. Except nope. definitely racked them up. Uh, how recently? Were you talking like sort of Glenn Archers and, and Byron Pickett? So more no, recent than uh, that. Played this year or last year. Um, <coughs> one of Sam Gibson? No, I'll give them to you. Once we had Nick Dalsano do it. Okay. We had Scotty Thompson do it. Twice we had Swallow, as you mentioned. Twice Zebel did it. No one's ever done it three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine or ten times. And Cunnington's done it 11 times for North <laughs> Melbourne. Yeah, very impressive stuff from uh, Ben. Apparently he grew up on or around a dairy farm, so <laughs> that might explain that. Um, Very vague. The Tigers uh, have moved into the top of our prediction ladder with this win. Um, it's mostly based on the stats of the game, not the actual win itself. So they're first for tackles differential and second for marks inside 50 differential. Um, so they've taken the top spot off Geelong and they look like the side to beat, I think, at this stage. Um, but the Roos also look, I think, a real finals threat at this point. Yeah, apparently so. They're really playing good footy. And um, one of the players that I really think's changed it for them is Jed Anderson's form in the middle. He's one player that I picked up off our uh, off the free agency list in our draft league. And he was a player who's been in the system for, this is his sixth year. 
And before this year, he's never got more than 20 touches in the game, in a game before. And over the last five games, we've had him have 23 touches, five tackles, four clearances, then 15 touches, nine tackles, five clearances, 21 touch, uh, touches, three tackles, seven, 24, four and three, and 28, five and seven, just getting 20 touches on the regular now. And he's really become a midfield staple for them. Yeah, just getting some continuity into his game, obviously. Had a few injuries over the, uh, over the trek, and now he's, Able to get onto the park and play some good footy, which is great to see. Um, the last game of the round was Pies versus Cats. I'll be honest, not a game that I paid a lot of attention to, not one that I really care about. Um, Pies won, interesting to note, Pies won most of the statistical categories that our model rates as important towards getting wins, but they did trail all day. They kicked five goals, 15, which is never really going to cut it, and went down by what four goals or so in a pretty low-scoring match. Yeah, low-scoring match, as you said, not really a lot to it, didn't really catch the eye of anyone. Um, the only thing that I really took out of this was that last week I said Danger's about due to come out and get a 150, and he put a 135 or so on the board, and uh, I've traded him into my Supercoach team this week. I think it's really bottom-out time for him, about $600,000 in the Supercoach, and uh, I've brought him in. Yeah, it seems like the week... Um... I've sort of held off for one more week. I'm hoping he doesn't score too highly this week against Essendon. He probably will. Uh, we're just saying they need a few inside midfielders, so he'll probably feast on them. But I'm praying for another, you know, sort of 100 or sub-100 score because there were some other trades I wanted to make, and I'm, I'm looking to bring him in next week. We'll see if that's possible. Yeah, we'll see. It depends which half of footy he plays. In the first half, I think he was on 48 Supercoach points and added about an 80 or a 90 in the second half. So really stepped it up there in that second half playing out of the middle. A lot of up forward at the start, so depends where um, the Cats sort of want to play him next week, and that'll determine how well he performs. I've referenced the uh, AFL Coaches Association leaderboard a few times now throughout the uh, podcast at the moment. Um, I had a look and, and got the top 10 here, Liam. I'm just wondering if you could name who's in it. Uh, there's a few names that you wouldn't expect and a few that you definitely would. All right, well, oh, 10 players. We'll have a go here. I reckon my boy Jack McRae has to be up there, if not the number one player in the competition at the moment. Yeah, so sitting equal second at the moment, he's on 40 points. I reckon the start that Tom Mitchell had for the year, we'll have him up there. He's fourth. Higher than Jack McRae. This is a tough one. I reckon you mentioned him before, Jack Darling was in this list. Yeah, Jack Darling's sitting in uh, sixth position, I think. He, uh, actually, equal fifth or something, but yeah, he's there, 32 points. Um. All right. Who else have we got? We've got Nat Fife, probably number one. Yeah, he's leading the uh, charge, forty-eight points, eight clear ahead of second place. Uh, Maxi Gorn has played some great footy. Yep, second place, Max Gorn on forty points. All right. How many do I have left now? I think you've got five left. Five left. All right. Um. Probably stick in the middle. I think Caniglio has played really well for GWS. Didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Well, they love Paddy Cripps. Surely he's up there. Paddy Cripps is definitely in there. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, who else? We've got, so four to go. Four to go. Oh, we got three mids and a half back. Three mids and a half, half back. Uh, Rory Laird's played some great footy. Yeah, he's, he's in there, back. 32 points. Three more midfielders. Um, trying to go through the teens in my head a little bit here. Um, did Dusty make the cut? He hasn't played that well. Dusty's there. He's got 31. Dusty, all right. So we've got two mids left. Um, we'll finish it off. We've got another tiger and a pie. Uh, Cotchen's probably the other tiger. And yep. Adam Trelaw, I would guess. No, oh, it's still side bottom for that last place, 31 points. Cool. All right. Well, that's a pretty good top 10. Is there anyone in there that really surprised you that they made the cut? Yeah, like just mentioned before, Jack Darling's sort of not the kind of name you'd expect. You know, obviously, 
a good footy player for a few years now. Generally, Bob's up for those 35 or 40 goals, but not one that you'd probably expect to be in the top 10 of the Coaches Association Award at this stage of the season, so fair play to him. Award that they don't really have in the AFL. I know they have it pretty prominently in the NBA as the most improved player for the year, and something I would like to see them move into the AFL, and I'd say at this stage, he'd probably take it. Yeah, definitely. Um, put up a, a great performance this season, and especially on the back of those finals performances of the few years ago, where people were sort of giving him a bit of stick for not really getting amongst the game. Um, you know, when the when the heat was on. So it's good to see him really elevate his game this season and perform consistently. One of the big talking points that we saw come out this week was the touching the umpire. It must be one of those things in footy where we had Hawkins touch the umpire last week and get a week, and then this week we had May, Kurnow, Kurnow again, the brother, all going off to the tribunal for more touching the umpires. It's sort of like with the Hooli and Bug went back-to-back last week, these things come in waves. Yeah, um, there was a f- people on Twitter sort of bringing up incidents earlier in the year where players had touched the umpire and obviously hadn't copped any week, so obviously that directive has changed from the AFL and then they've actually stepped in to give Ed Kernow a week. Yeah, the AFL Appeals Board came back after the tribunal cleared him, said it was careless and only a fine, the same as his brother. Uh, same thing that May got as well, I believe. Um, but then the Appeals Board stepped in and said, Kernow, which is our new favourite on the podcast, doesn't get to play this week. Uh, why did he get singled out, do you reckon? Do you, did you see the footage? I saw the footage uh, comparing Ed and Charlie's incidents, and it seems to be that Ed sort of knew he was touching the umpire. He was looking at the umpire when he touched him, whereas Charlie sort of was not making contact, eye contact with the umpire when he did it, sort of just put the arm behind him and made contact. So that's the difference, I guess, between intentional... Um, and not intentional contact with the umpire. So it seems fair enough, I guess, there. But, uh, yeah, it's not really one that I like too much. Just the, you know, the little touch to the hand gets you a week. I'm not really certain about this. The one that really surprised me was the Stephen May one where he sort of was complaining about a call to the umpire and he mimed what he did. And in the mime, he bumped into the umpire. I really thought that was going to get a week as well, considering that Hawkins sort of just flicked the hand and, you know, I feel like you can't be letting people be like, oh, I was just miming this towards the umpire. That's my excuse. Current captain of uh, Gold Coast and they're heading over to the China game. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's got something to do with it. Um, AFL wants him on the field there. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they continue to crack down on this throughout the weeks to come. Move on to the current round at the moment. Spend a bit of time talking about the round night and matchups that are coming up. Um, the one that's about to air tonight on the Friday night is the Crows versus the Dogs over at Adelaide Oval. Um, had a few ins and outs already named for all of these games. Um, for this one, we see Matt Crouch, Taylor Walker, and McGovern all missing for the Adelaide Crows. Um, whereas on the other side, we see the Dogs welcoming back Easton Wood, Roughhead, and Trengo. So a bit of a two-side when you talk about um, the experience that's in and out of those teams. Yeah, Dogs were a really young and inexperienced team last week against the Lions, and I think it showed. Um, obviously, the Dogs would imagine that they'd be doing a bit better, I think, than going goal for goal with us. So uh, the, probably the inexperience showed there, and there's some good ins for them tonight. I think over in Adelaide, uh, Adelaide Oval, I think the Crows might get this one done despite the injuries. Not too sure, though. Yeah, well, one thing for the super coaches out there is we had Darcy Fogarty and Lockie Murphy both coming to this team might send some relief uh, some people's way. Um, but maybe that lack of firepower up forward without your McGovern's and Walkers might make this less of a blowout than we normally would expect. What do you think about that? Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, Darcy Fogarty looks pretty good. So now that he's probably one of the only targets up forward, it could be interesting to see whether he can kick a bag, get on the end of a uh, midfield dominance if that does occur for the Crows. Um, 
Although the dogs, you know, also with a good midfield and some defenders in there, Trengove back in, probably a good matchup for him. So hopefully a competitive game. I were just about to sit down and watch it. So yeah, definitely hopefully a competitive game. I'll just bring up one more point before we go through our tips for this game, and that's the uh, young ex-Brisbane player, Josh Shackey, who's sitting in the VFL, had three goals last week, three goals the week before, but he's doing it off about eight touches, ten touches, really not getting enough of it for Bevo's liking. Um, just really still not able to crack his way into this team. Not sure we'll be seeing uh, Shackey in the seniors for a while, to be honest. Um, I imagine they'll be happy to let him sit in the VFL and develop this season. Um, got a lot on his plate, I think, but... He's never really going to be that large possession getting forward, I don't think. Not really his style. Um, be interesting to see how he can work in a tandem with Tom Boyd if they do end up in the same forward line in the seniors at some point. But I'm not really sure if that's something that's going to improve in, in Josh Shackey's case. Go through our tips now. I think I'm going to take the Crows in this one, especially at home. I think it actually might be a bit of a big margin there. Yeah, I'll also take the Crows. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close competitive game. Um, I could see the, the dogs getting up, but I really just can't. Tip against the home side, I don't think. And the algorithm also tipping the Crows, I believe. Pretty hot on them. Maybe not as much as the Tigers and everyone that we spoke about before, but um, yeah, pretty comfortably choosing the Crows in this one. Yeah, so the algorithm still at this point not taking into account injuries, so it is pretty high on the Crows. Uh, not really aware of their current injury crisis, but it does have them up uh, in this game. Move on to the next one now, which will be North Melbourne versus GWS in what has become a really interesting game due to injuries, and that one's down in Bloodstone Arena in Tassie. Is that where Bloodstone is? And uh, we all know they like playing down there. Yeah, I think this should be a great game. I'm pretty excited for this one. Um, North Melbourne, obviously, in, in fine form, and, and GWS not so much, so it's probably evened up this game a little bit compared to what we would have expected pre-season, and uh, I think I might actually go with North on this one. I think they've looked good over the past couple of weeks, pushed the Tigers, had a few good wins, whereas... GWS seem on a bit of a slide. Yeah, interesting. Like, obviously, we said that North love this ground. The key contributor to that is their 116 over 30 win against the Blues earlier this year where Ben Brown kicked big five goals and uh, Davis not there to stop him this week. Obviously, important. And the other thing is I read out GWS's injury list before and I'll read you North Melbourne's now. Ed Vickers-Willis, full stop. Like, that's it. They're not missing anyone. They've got a full team and um, really, they could take this one. So you're going to tip North here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll probably just lose another tip and end up further behind, but I do have to catch up somehow, so I think I'll go with North. Yeah, I reckon reading those injury lists is hard not to go for North, but I'm going to go for GWS. I just think that after losing some of these recent games, they're really going to step up and really try and put it to North Melbourne. Um, what about the algorithm? Who does that have here? The algorithm has got the Giants, so once again, not taking into account injuries uh, at this stage, so it thinks the Giants will get this one done comfortably. Move on to the next game, which is well, well away from Tassie. We've got the China match between Port and Gold Coast over at Adelaide Stadium in China. Adelaide Stadium. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over in China once again, uh, trying to break into that all-important Chinese market. Not really too sure how they'll go with that, but uh be interesting to see once again. Um, Gold Coast will hopefully be up and about for this game, but I think Port will get it done pretty easily. Yeah, they did it last year pretty easy. 72 points was the margin in the other China match that we saw. So really not two different sides from that game. Maybe even a stronger side we see for Port. So yeah, it's really hard to see the Suns making a dent into that 72-point margin. And one of the factors that I think will really go into that is I'm going to read you the Suns' forward line that's listed on the AFL teams. It's Young, Ballard, Sexton, Heron, Martin, Holman. Like, who are all these people? Yeah, not a lot of experience up there um, in the forward line for 
Gold Coast, and yeah, I think they'll probably struggle to, to put a score on the board against Port. Hopefully they can play an entertaining brand of football for the fans over there in China. So Port all round for you, me, and the algorithm here? Yeah, the algorithm heavily onto Port here. Move on to the Dons and the Cats at the MCG this week. Um, we've got, after the Dons fans, really really going after their their team. It's been sort of responded in the uh, selection table with Darcy Parrish being omitted, among others, including the injury to Michael Hurley. Yeah, Michael Hurley, a huge out um, for the Essendon Football Club, for my Supercoach draft team and for probably many Supercoach teams as well. I think the Dons are in a world of hurt here. I think that the Cats are just going to toy with them. They're going to put on a pretty big score pretty quickly. And uh, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Dangerfield puts up a pretty big score himself. We see that Hurley out being mirrored by a Hawkins in, which is not really the uh, side you want to be on if you're the Essendon supporters. But they do have some good things to look forward to in this game. They've got Guelphie being a welcomed uh, person back into that lineup, especially for the super coaches. But we've also got Dylan Clark, who everyone that I know who follow Essendon really closely and watch the VFL games have been really raving about him. 36 touches on the weekend, really been knocking the door down at the selection table. And he's averaging 126 AFL fantasy points over the year in the VFL, really just wanting to be in that side, and they've picked him. Yeah, big raps on Dylan Clark uh, coming from everywhere, and be interesting to see how he goes at the senior level. Um, definitely one to watch, I think, for super coaches who are looking for a downgrade option in the midfield over the coming weeks. Mid-forward, I believe, as well, which is just juicy for everyone. Um, everyone going the Cats here, or is there an upset brewing? The model has the Cats, uh, again, by a pretty big margin, and uh, I think the Cats will get it done as well. I'll also side with the Cats. We'll move on pretty quickly to Sydney versus Freo over at the SCG, coming off a really strong win for both these sides. Uh, we'll see who can back it up. Yeah, I think that the being at the SCG favours the Swans, and uh, Buddy is named. Not really sure if he'll play. If he does, again, that's a pretty big in for the Swans. Uh, ben Ronke, obviously, probably put another seven goals through. Uh, hopefully, just brought him into my team, so hopefully he can repeat. The model's got the Swans. Uh, it, it thinks they'll do it relatively comfortably. And I think at home at the SCG, I think the Swans will probably get up. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you, um, especially with the ins. We see Buddy and Hanabry both named in this team, although I think there's still a lot of question marks about Buddy actually lining up. But, but on the flip side, we've got Walters back in for Freo. So arguably, Franklin and Walters being the two most important players for this team, probably five aside, um, really interesting ins for everyone. Do you think Buddy will play? I'm hoping he'll play because he's been sitting on my bench uh, in Supercoach for quite a while now. Um, not really too sure, though. Everything I read throughout the week suggested that he was probably another week away, and then I was surprised to see him named. So don't be surprised if he's a laid out. And one thing I've got noted down here from when we watched the game on the weekend of the Sydney Swans, I've got a note down here about Ronke and the way he was able to stand up in his tackles, which was really impressive for a young, smaller player, able to stand up and shrug off all his tackles. So I'll really be watching this week to see if we can see some more of that. It's really exciting when you see the player just stand up and shrug everyone off. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone will be watching, hoping to see him repeat his brilliance of the last week. Next game is the Saints versus the Pies at Etihad Stadium. Yeah, we've had a few uh, interesting ins and out for this game as well. We see both Akers and Carlisle and Gilbert all sideline with Akers missing about four weeks and Gilbert six weeks. So a bit of injury troubles there for the Saints. But we see uh, Bailey Rice debuting for the club, which is really exciting for them. The first father-son that I can remember in a very long time. Son of Dean Rice, who played 116 games for the club. Also played a lot of games for Carlton, and I think this was the... Uh, situation where Rice could have chosen father-son between the two, chose the Saints, and finally gets his chance to run out there. 
yeah, put some consistent form in the VFL this season and deserves his chance. Um, interesting to note, you said Gilbert out injured seems to be the only way he leaves the St. Hilda team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think many Saints fans will be crying about that at the moment. Not really too sure how that happens, but uh, yeah, this could be a one that I think you guys maybe have a chance in. The model sort of has, it has the pies up, but it does have it as the closest game of the round. Yeah, I really like sort of our chances here at Etihad Stadium. Um, really, if we bring the pressure, we can never know what's going to happen. Um, those ins for Collingwood are pretty strong. For Solo, Pendlebury and Tom Langdon, pretty good ins for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, for Solo, it's one that Pies fans have been hanging out to come back for a while now, and Obviously, Pendlebury is Pendlebury, so great ins for them. Um, I think I'm probably going to lean towards the Pies here. They've played some pretty good football uh, so far this season. I can't really say the same for St. Kilda. I'm obviously going to tip the Saints because we're the best and uh, we're going to get a really strong win here. Is the algorithm also, or you said they will go on the Pies? Yeah, pretty narrowly to the Pies, so uh, the closest game of the round. We'll see how this comes up. And uh, another player that was named was Howe, and I thought he did his hammy. I'm really confused with some of these selections. Yeah, I'm not really too sure what's going on there. There was word that he was out injured for a while. Um, turns out it's Hurley who's out injured with the hammy. So, bad. Uh, sorry, good news for me from Supercoach turned to bad news, but uh, that's what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm really unsure if he'll line up if, if those hammy words are true. And uh, just as a little side note, I'm back in Billings in to finally crack out a good Supercoach score. Not going to happen. <laughs> we'll move it along to Blues and the Ds at the MCG. Yeah, probably a blowout I'm expecting here. The the Demons put the Suns to the sword last week, and I expect they'll probably do the same thing to the Blues. Um Hopefully not, but the model does think it's going to be a blowout as well, the largest margin of the round. I mean, the Blues are missing their most important player, Ed Kernow, does it on the offensive and uh, defensive side of the footy this year. As we said, one of our favourites, and they're missing him, but they do welcome back their skipper, Mark Murphy, and Melbourne actually welcome back their skipper, Jack Viney. Yeah, good to see both those uh, players getting back out on the ground and hopefully play some good footy. Um, the Diesel, yeah, very, very excited to have Jack Viney out there. Um, a real presence for them as a leader. I was talking to you before about the uh, ins and outs that were named for the Sunday games, and one of the things we noted were that um, players who were kept out of that um, extended bench for Melbourne, their emergencies for this week are Dom Tyson, Jeff Gartlett, Jaden Hunt, and Cam Pedersen, maybe the best emergencies we've ever seen. Yeah, four players that you'd generally expect to be in their best 22, um, and uh, they've they've gone with the kids, I guess, so Charlie Spargo keeping his spot, Bailey Fritch, and a few others... Um, Super coach relevant, which is good for most of those coaches, but a lot of competition for spots down at the Ds. We'll move on to the Lions and the Hawks at the Gabba. Um, you think you're a sneaky chance in this one? I think we're, we're a chance. We've been a chance in most of the games we've played, to be honest, uh, except for that Richmond game. And I think any game at the Gabba, we're, we're a chance. Um, you know, am I going to tip us? No. Is the model going to tip <laughs> us? No. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we can play some good footy and, and push them. And uh, yeah, I think a win is on the cards if we play our best football. I think a wild card in this game is the Hodge versus his old side scenario. What happens? Does he sort of handball a few balls over to the Hawthorne boys or does he rev everyone up as I'm sure some people will be giving him some bumps and uh, getting into him? Yeah, I'm sure I'd be given as good as he gets in the bumps. Uh, maybe even try and get in Sicily's head. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, he's an old head. He knows what he's doing down there. And uh, I'm sure he'll have the boys fired up and ready to go. Amira is a pretty big out for Hawthorne, um, really going to affect one of the major areas for Hawthorne this year, which is their dominant performance with their ability to put the footy onto Gunston and Ruffy's chest at about 40 metres from goal, that little chip inside Ford 50. Is that something that really, whether the Lions can stop it or not, will be a factor in this game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
we, you know, obviously being a young side near the bottom of the ladder, we tend to struggle with uh, stopping, obviously, teams getting those marks inside 50, which are all important. And, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised to see the Hawks cut us up in that regard. Um, obviously, something that I have to be pretty careful of. And hopefully we can, you know, maybe scrap it out and make it a good contest. And another note I have down here is one of your favorite boys. I mean, I hate him. I think he's a flog. But Mitchie Robinson putting out a career-best year out of the midfield, averaging career high in touches with 22.6, almost in tackles, 0.1 off that with 6.7, and career-high supercoach points. Is he a, a viable option in your supercoach forward lines, averaging 98 this year? Yeah, I think he is um, with that dual position flexibility. Obviously, he puts up good good numbers for someone who's able to be selected in the forward line. Um, as you mentioned, far from a flog, absolute river bloke. Um, <laughs> came across from Carlton a bit of a flog, turned his life around, and uh, yeah, really well respected in the playing group. Um, really good uh, contributor to the playing group, just a good personality, and uh, yeah, goes hard on the footy field, don't mind that at all. And yeah, I think a good option as a point of difference if someone's looking for a forward in Supercoach. Yeah, no, I had him, but uh, that can't always decide your supercoach choices. You've got to move past that, a la Sicily. So if he's there, um, I wouldn't mind it if somebody picked him as a point of difference on the field. Um, everyone tipping the Hawks here? Yep. Move along to the last game of the round, which might even be the match of the round, the top of the table clash between the Tigers and the Eagles. Yeah, who would have thought? Um, we've been consistently proved wrong by the Eagles, and I'm sure many others have joined us in that boat. Um not too many predicted them for where they to be where they are at this stage, and that is a top-of-the-table clash with the Tigers. Some really important ins as well for West Coast. We see both Nick Nat and McGovern in. Um, really, might, maybe we'll turn the game a little bit. Yeah, great ins for West Coast, and I think they'll be uh, very keen to get this win over the Tigers You know, on their home deck. Uh, obviously, show the Tigers that you can't really come to our home ground and, and expect to get the win, and uh, I think I'm going to tip them. Yeah, as you said, their home ground, they haven't lost there all year. I mean, they're 7-1, and one, but all of those Optus games, they've, they've got wins out, so they've never lost at the stadium, which is really important. Also, I think Nank's under a bit of an injury cloud, so with Nick Nack back and Nank missing, geez, that's a big swing there. Yeah, the Tigers generally uh, you know, don't win the taps too often. Uh, it's one of the areas they lag behind in our model. Nank obviously gets around the ground pretty well to make up for it. Um, but yeah, the, the loss of Nankervis, if he doesn't play in this game, will be pretty big, I think, and allow Nick Nat to give the Eagles mids silver service into the middle, uh, kicking forward into a pretty dangerous forward line, as we mentioned, Josh Kennedy and, and Jack Darling there. So a few more reasons as to why I think I'm going to tip the Eagles. The model disagrees. It's going to go with the Tigers in a close one. I don't know who to tip here. It depends. Assuming Nank is going to line up, I think that defense of Rance, Asbury, and Grimes is probably good enough to curtail some of the Kedney-Darling sort of dominance that we've seen. So I'm going to go for the Tigers in this one. I'll go against you. Good to see some differentiation in the tips there, and hopefully I can get a few back. Um, Lee, is there anything else you want to talk about this week? Um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we'd probably just touch on the AFLW. Uh, we're in the current signing period um, for the two new teams, North Melbourne and Geelong Cats, and uh, North have gone on a bit of a signing spree. They've signed up Mo Hope, Emma Kearney, Jasmine Garner, Jess Duffin, Caitlin Ashmore, Jamie Stanton, Talia Randall, and Brittany Gibson. Some good players amongst those names. Yeah, I mean, Kearney, obviously, the game's best player at the moment, so that's just a, a monster signing. And some of those other names you mentioned, Ashmore and these types, Mo Hope, are really, really renowned throughout the league. And yeah, they've got a few marquee-style names there already. Yeah, Jasmine Garner from the Pies, also a really good young player. And uh, I like the game of Brittany Gibson from the Lions, so sad to see her go. And uh, 
The Cats have also been pretty busy. They've signed up Melissa Hickey, Rochelle Rocky Cranston, Anna Teague, Erin Haw, and Danielle Hardiman. Yeah, Mel Hickey was one that really took my eye from that list. She can play you know, a lot of different positions on the ground. It was really strong last year. And they've got a few names there, but I think I'd take the North list at this stage. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, when the betting odds open up where North are in that list and uh, interesting to see how they do next season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as well. We're going to see some of these teams that will have a large input of the young players who, as we've said before, apparently the new generations coming through have enhanced skills compared to some of the players we have in the league at the moment, whether that will shine through or whether we see these teams of players that mostly have three or two years experience in the league, whether really that's what uh, wins games next year. Anyone who's a bit of a punting fan and is listening to the podcast, maybe have a look at the odds for North for the Premiership. Get around them. On both, do you want to go the double, North in the men's and women's? or Could happen, but uh, I'm sticking for North in the women's, I think. Uh, we'll stick with that. Is there anything else for this week? I don't think so. Let's watch some footy. All right.